Welcome to this Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition podcast. My name is Dr. Kelly Tappenden. I'm Editor-in-Chief of JPEN, and it's my pleasure today to have as a guest Dr. Darlene Kelly, who is an Emeritus Member of the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at Mayo Clinic College of Medicine in Rochester, Minnesota. Now, the reason I've invited Dr. Kelly today is to highlight the paper that she is the first author on entitled Short Bowel Syndrome, Highlights of Patient Management, Quality of Life, and Survival. This paper appears in the May 2014 issue of JPEN. Welcome, Dr. Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. I'm wondering if you can start off by telling us about your practice at Mayo Clinic and the types of patients that you work with. You worked with home parental nutrition patients, many of them who had short bowel syndrome. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, over the 22 years that I was program director for the Home Parental Nutrition Program, we served approximately 1,200 patients. And this was kind of an extension of my background. I was first a dietitian, and then I decided I wanted to go to graduate school, so I got my master's and then my Ph.D. in nutrition. And then I decided medical school should be for me. So I, uh, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I did a normal medical school, got a couple of uh, excuses from certain classes that seemed like a repeat. And then I did a residency in internal medicine and a fellowship in gastroenterology as well as a postdoc prior to medical school. So that's why I said I was a professional student, Dr. Tappenden. It's a clear clear path, though, on, on the type of patients that you would end up taking care of. Indeed. So over those years, I had patients with a variety of intestinal difficulties, and initially especially the majority had short bowel syndrome. Over the last few years, there had been more patients with post-surgical issues like fistulae, et cetera, but we still saw a lot of people with short bowel. Probably 30% had short bowel, and some of those were my patients for the entire time that I was on the staff here. And now I am the advisor for science and medicine for the Ole Foundation, which I hope all of your listeners are familiar with. Yes, absolutely. That's wonderful. The advisor for science and medicine for the Ole Foundation. So when you think about this consumer group and the members that the Ole Foundation is serving, what are the strategies looking forward for patients with intestinal failure or short bowel syndrome? When you think about that advisory role, what should we think of on the horizon? Well, I'm hoping that there will be significant help for the people, the patients, the consumers who are members of OLE in terms of perhaps further development for medications to make short bowel more easily managed. I'm hoping, too, that we learn ways to make uh, complications of home parental nutrition 
less of a problem for these patients, both in terms of the types of complications and ways to get around them. So when we think of medications, to-do glutide is very topical right now, given its availability in 2013 and moving forward. I assume that these are the types of medications that you're, you're thinking of. Yes, and I think there are studies going on, perhaps especially in Europe, looking at GLP-1 as well as GLP-2. In the context of short bowel syndrome and yes, intestinal Yes, oxygen. indeed. And then, of course, the people who have motility disorders have a totally different issue. Interestingly, in the United States, if someone with a motility disorder is eating, Medicare will not reimburse for their parenteral nutrition. And part of the reason that's interesting is that there are studies coming out of Europe, especially France, that people who have motility disorders and are able to eat something have a much better outcome than those who eat nothing. So hopefully we will educate Medicare a bit more to allow people to have some oral intake. Well, that's a very interesting issue, and certainly other work from France with Dr. Goulet's work showing that the hyperphagia that some patients with short bowel syndrome have certainly is beneficial in adaptation and helping reduce their dependence on parenteral nutrition. So that's a little inconsistent. If we're able to help these people reduce their parenteral requirements, but then get them down to so few infusions that Medicare won't cover it anymore. That's certainly a big problem, isn't it? It applies to to do glutide also. It, yes, it definitely is, and, and that is one of the concerns that, of uh, to do glutide is that uh, we might do such a good job with it that patients who still require a little parental nutrition may not have coverage for it. So is this something that the Oli Foundation will be able to address and advocate for? Well, we hope so. Oli has many projects, but yes, there should be a role of advocating for these people who are actually costing Medicare less because they're not requiring as much parenteral nutrition. Yes, very good. So in the paper, what you've done is done a very nice job talking about patient management. You've done a, a nice job with oral rehydration solutions. Quality of life, there's a focus on quality of life in here. Now, we certainly have some data that's available, not a lot of data. Your co-author, Marion Winkler, has obtained much of that data, so we have that focus. If you were to give us a high-level insight into quality of life from someone who's on home parental nutrition based on your experience, what would you give us as a primer there? Well, one thing is that when someone with short bowel initially starts on parental nutrition, sometimes the quality of life drops. For others who've had, well, Crohn's disease in particular and some inflammatory diseases, there actually may be a little bit better quality of life than while they were dealing with trying to eat enough to support their nutrition. Then it's quite typical that with time, the quality of life gets better. Sometimes it's after 10 years or more on parenteral nutrition. But in general, quality of life is very much related to ability or inability to eat. I have been working with the European Society for Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition 
Home Artificial Nutrition Work Group. And with that group, through my Oli connection, I've actually been working with a quality of life expert, Dr. Janet Baxter from Scotland, who has done a, a wonderful job in coming up with a quality of life tool that is specifically designed for people on parenteral nutrition. So I'm kind of rambling here, but I think that the quality of life for these people over time doesn't, in fact, improve. And, of course, if we can get them down to a smaller amount of parenteral nutrition, it can further improve. Very good. So this is all nicely outlined in your paper. Thank you very much. I also want to make our readers aware of the short bowel syndrome supplement that will be bundled with the May 2014 JPEN issue. So there'll be a full supplement on short bowel syndrome talking about many, many different factors, uh, including quality of life management, emerging therapies, uh, mechanisms of intestinal adaptation. It's quite a thorough supplement that I think those of you in this area will find quite useful. Dr. Kelly, thank you very much for your time today and your contribution to JPEN. We're all very grateful for the leadership you've shown in our field and the time you spoke to, time you took to speak with us today. Well, thank you, Kelly. It was a pleasure.